From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 118, and today I am joined by my friend and showrunner, Ken Cooperis, as well as film enthusiast and returning guest, Mark Weingast. And we're going to sit down and watch some films together. All right. So we're sitting down to watch both Modern Modern Family, Modern Romance, and Defending Your Life. I'm Jeremy, and I have seen both of these movies, but not for a very long time, and I've only seen both of them once. I'm Mark, and I am not really familiar with Albert Brooks's directorial work, but more of his voice acting work. Oh, okay. weird! I know. So, I, so I, you haven't seen either of these? No, oh, I have great. not. Great. We're very worried because there's supposed to be a whole uh, uh, some extra people on this. So I was actually worried for a second, going, I don't know if we have a version for this episode. <laughs> but I'm glad Mark is our our version. Yay! Yay. And I'm Ken Cooperis, and I have seen both of these movies. Uh, but I have different relationships with each one. I've only ever seen Modern Romance one time, probably 25 years ago. I only remember one scene. So I kind—I guess sort of in a way I'm a virgin to it because I couldn't tell you how it ends or what's in the middle or anything like that. Uh, but Defending Your Life is one of my um, all-time favorite romantic comedies. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll do a little, a little usual preamble, but just so you viewers know, we're going to do both movies in this episode. Uh, we'll uh, we'll watch the first one, which will be Modern Romance, and then we'll have a brief chat, and then we'll jump in and come back for a bigger chat about that, probably as well as defending your life. Mark, yes. So you only know Albert Brooks as Nemo's dad. Well, not just Nemo's dad, but early voice work on The Simpsons, his early short films with Saturday Night Live, and that's pretty much it. Have you seen Broadcast News? No. Mm. Mm, I know it's, it's like way. the major one that everybody has seen, but I just Oof, have not gone around to it. So what is it about Albert Brooks that, like, what is his style of comedy? How do you pitch him to me? Uh, I would say, I would say he is, um, I would say he's a L.A. version of Woody, Woody Allen. Allen. That's a very accurate way of doing it, yeah. He's a more, and also just probably a broader, not a broader, but more um, a, a, a approachable version of Woody Allen for, for the masses. Yeah, he's more, um, you know, I think he's more... Uh, more sardonic, more um, pessimist, or just no, no, I mean, the other way. No, yeah, probably the other way. Yeah, okay. like he's. Uh, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. I broader. He's a bit more. Yeah, you know what? Whereas Woody Allen is more dry. Um, I would say that. Uh, I would say that um, that Albert Brooks is more. It goes for more of the like hard joke. Yeah, the hard joke and and more of the warmth and 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 more warmth too. I think yeah. where it's like. Really, there's only a handful of Woody Allen's movies that have happy endings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like most of them, the com- even the comedies don't end well. They all yeah. end, you know, they all end with the the lead realizing they're basically shit. Yeah, and that uh, they don't get what they want. Right? It's really yeah. like Hannah and her sisters has a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, Crimes and misdemeanors oddly- has a happy ending if you like are long for the murderer's ride. I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not many of them do. Like they yeah. all kind of end on kind of a dour yeah. note, like more a poignant note. So I think Albert Brooks uh, tries more to wrap it up in a bow. Yeah, he does happy endings, and he does, um, you know, quick patter and like um, both. I mean, both him and Woody Allen have very uh, play. Um, they feel like uh, you know theater plays. Yeah, um, you could almost put them on stage. But I think that Albert Brooks is uh, style. You know. They were both also stand-up comedians, and if you and if you were familiar with their stand-up, I think you would automatically know the difference between like what their film style would be as well. Yeah. Um, whereas Woody Allen did 
very uh, written, never never really deviated, did very straight um, comedy that he kind of memorized and just delivered straight, uh, like a one long story. Albert Brooks um, did crazier stuff. He was almost a Steve Martin-esque guy who would do, like one of his bits was... Um, what if they had to replace the um, uh, the national anthem and they opened it up to all of America to submit? And then he has a, he would he would play a bunch of different versions that were submitted, and they were it, it's just hysterical. So um, I'm not familiar with any of his stand up. Oh, stuff. great stand up, wonderful stand up. Yeah, but uh, like I said, very similar to Steve Martin style, except a li- not quite as uh, wild as Steve yeah. Martin. Yeah, did you ever see any of Steve Martin's stand-up? Uh, I've listened to a little bit. My dad was really huge into Steve Martin. It's way. bonkers yeah. in such a delightful way. You know, the fun thing about Albert Brooks' filmography is, you know, he had... Um, he's done a couple of not-great movies in the last, you know, 10, 20 years, but um, his first five or six movies... Like, we're all, like, perfect movies. We're all wonderful movies. I mean, maybe you'll disagree after you watch these two, but uh, for me, uh, he's one of those directors that I absolutely cherish and is, like, because he has a string of movies together that are just, like, for me, just awesome. So then with Monroe Bands, like, how far does that come like, within his filmography? Number two. Number two. Oh, number two. His first movie is called Real Life. Okay. Um, his second one, Modern Romance. Uh, and then Lost in America, and then Defending Your Life, and then Mom. And that's kind of like, for me, that's... Mother, isn't it? Uh, mother, sorry. And that, for me, is kind of the uh, the string of films. And then he also did The Scout with Brendan Fraser, which... That I, one I've seen, actually. Uh, and then, it, it is quite good, but it's, it, it's where I started to see a bit of a decline, but it's, it's still pretty good. Where does Looking for Comedy in the Muslim World fall? Um, I think that's... Uh, that, that's he did one called one. The Muse after The Scout, yep. which was not bad. Um, and then I think he took a long break, um, until, yeah. until the that moment. One. Yeah. And I had that downstairs. I picked it up at the queen video closing sale, mm-hmm. but I, uh, I actually haven't, that's the only one I haven't seen. I'm kind of scared to watch it. Cause oh, uh, we should do it then. Yeah. Because I haven't seen it yet either. Yeah. So I remember even, I probably watched modern romance. I watched it second for sure. Defending your life, I think was the first Albert Brooks movie I saw, and I was I think eight years old at the time. I don't know if that math works out, <laughs> but I've, I just remember I think I saw the trailer for it on in front of another movie that I rented, and even at a young age, I was like, "That was interesting." <laughs> I, I thought the premise. Do you know the premise of it? No. Mark? Oh, great. Yeah. Let's oh, not even fuck say it. You're gonna go in super blind then. Yeah. No, I'm going to both of these blind. Like, I'm, I'm gonna enjoy this. It's I great because wanna... the first one's simple. The second one's kind of high concept. So it's, it's that's great. fun. I wish I was you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I just remember seeing the trailer for Defending Your Life and being like, "I want to watch that." Yeah. Even even a young age, and, and and I'm sure so much of it went over my head. Uh, but I think modern romance I got into more when I was into filmmaking and writing and going, oh, I should go back because I'm sure that I'm going to learn something from this masterful Albert Brooks character. All right. Well, since Mark knows fuck all, I think this is <laughs> best uh, fuck all of all. No, this is the best place for you to be. I'm. It's very exciting. So I think we should just dive in. So we'll be back to uh, to talk briefly about modern romance, or maybe not at all. We'll see how it goes. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, so we just finished, and as you can hear, we have some some rain as our as our romantic background <laughs> following uh, this, and now it's three guys talking about love. Oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, three white dudes talking about love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, sorry, you just had an observation about Albert Brooks' characters. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, this reminded me how um, he always played a yuppie in every single in every single one of his uh, movies. Yeah, at least the, those early those early years. Um, that's kind of his. That's kind of his shtick. Is like he's always a guy with. Um, uh, it's funny that he mentioned Easy Rider actually in this movie because Easy Rider is the theme of Lost in America, um, one of his later movies, where his character is obsessed with. Easy Rider to the point where he changes his whole life to follow the teachings of Easy Rider. So uh, that's so funny that you can see like the genesis of that here a little bit. Hilarious. So Mark, you were uh, an Albert Brooks. Well, you know, you remember that you had seen the Scout. Yes, but I, according to Ken, like he doesn't really consider that like an Albert Brooks. No, the Scout is. He did direct that one. Well, no, well, it's, it's just in terms not of, like his like his over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like that felt more like a studio film rather than a personal yeah, film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with this one, I, I 
I don't know how to read... Like, for the first half of it, I was really into it. There's a lot of simplicity in its comedy, which is what I really loved about it. But the more I kept seeing uh, Albert just being so neurotic about being so controlling within his relationship, I was just, like, really cringing inside because it's like, man, he's really not a good dude at all. Yeah. It does... It's funny, like, I forgot about... I de- definitely a lot of stuff came back to me as I was watching it. Like I remember, as soon as the there's the date he goes on with that Helen or Ellen. Ellen. Yeah. As soon as they pulled away and he in- that shot on top of the car, I was like, "Oh right, he just drives around the corner." <laughs> I remember that instantly. Uh, and again, that scene is so great. It's so simple because uh, there's the setup earlier about the music cues and like how the use mind. of music in this movie is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And and like long stretches without music. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I had the same feeling, and, and it's like, uh, and to spoil the ending, although if you haven't seen this and you're listening to this, it's your own damn fault. Uh, <laughs> the ending is perfect because you're, I, I'd like to think, even back when this movie came out in 1981, uh, you're sitting in the audience when she accepts his proposal at the end, and you're squirming because you're like, oh, don't. Like, <laughs> oh, you heard me, I'm like... No, but for me too, I'm just sitting there going, oh, it's like, he's just, he's never gonna yeah. trust you, it's never gonna be healthy. And so when that car comes up that they got married three weeks later, and then two seconds later, and then they were divorced, they're currently dating with plans to remarry. It's like, yeah, this is a never-ending cycle. But it also, what I like about the movie, and what I think Albert Brooks really tapped into, even, you know, this is now 30 years ago? Yeah. 30, almost 40. 40. Is that men are idiots? Yep. Yeah. You know, and I think he really nailed it. I think about the stupid fights my wife and I have that are almost entirely my fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, he got that back then. Just the way Ken was talking about. Well, I think we were off camera for it, but how in his first film, real life, he basically invented um, reality television. In in some ways, like here, he's just really tapping into something that I think. Men are just admitting now. <laughs> yeah. In our modern culture. Yeah. I mean, it, the, you know, the, the film starts off with him being the one to break up with her, which is really interesting because of, you know, once you see how obsessed he is with keeping them together uh, after that, you know, we see his struggles with being alone for, like, what, 36 hours <laughs> before he finally completely breaks down and goes crawling back to her. Which I think is great because it really just shows how fragile he, he yeah. really is. It, it's like, no, I can't take care of myself. It's like, I need this. I need to yeah. be controlling. And it's a sh- I mean, it's a shame she takes him back so easily the first time. I th- the well, I think, time, I think you know, time. as she says, you always do this. Like, And then we get the feeling that this is, like, this is probably they've been together a year and they've probably broken up, like, 10, 20 times. Yeah. Because even in that very first scene when he says, you know, uh, I think we should break up, and she says, oh, are you serious this time? Yeah, you're <laughs> you right. You know, yep. it's like, so we know they've been down this road She's many times already. She's expecting this to happen anyway. Yeah. She's just waiting for him to grovel in the right way. Mm-hmm. And it's, I guess it's a testament to how she feels about him, too. Because she's a beautiful woman. She seems to have it together. She's got a great job, and she's, you know, and, and she keeps taking this schmuck back, so... Uh, you know, there is something about them, the two of them, that they've connected on some level where they both somehow get some sort of satisfaction out of this horrible relationship. Modern romance, Ken. <laughs> uh, yeah. But what I, you know what I really like about the movie is is the confidence that Albert Brooks has in just being on camera alone for long stretches. Oh, God. Uh, just, and, it's, and there was almost like a rhythm to it that kept on repeating itself, but it never stopped being funny. Where in, he'd make a firm decision and then instantly change his mind. <laughs> yeah. like the first time we get it is when he's like, no, we're going to work. And he touches the film where he's like, I can't work. So what am <laughs> yeah. I thinking? And then he's like, he goes, he go, he's talking to James L. Brooks, but he's like, I can't go to the party. Mary and I, we just broke up. We're in a very vulnerable place. I have to stay in. He's like, you should come. All right, we'll come. You know, it happens. That joke happens over and over yeah. in the movie, and it's never not funny. And it, But it, it also goes to his character. Like, he just cannot make up a firm decision for himself. He's no. easily like uh, he's easily he manipulated. Yeah, he yeah. calls to make he calls to break the date, and the answer machine comes on, and he just calls to confirm. Yeah, you know he's a well he's spine, he's playing a spineless yeah. worm really in a lot of ways. Like he he knows he's playing an unlikable character. Yeah, and and but even the ending, like the movie's very aware that it's like you probably shouldn't root for this guy. 
Yeah. yeah. Or this relationship. Which, which is why it's really funny once um, Mary actually confronts, like, no, we're not going to be able to do this. Like, if like I can't trust you. I can't do this. Marry me. Okay. <laughs> it, it just, it, like, that perfect punchline just accentuates. It's just like, wow, like, this kind of character, these, these kind of people are just... But it's also, it's Oof. like what, what works really nicely in that she's just as much to blame. Like, she shouldn't put up with his shit any more than he should do it. Yeah. yeah. You know, she's, we don't never find out, if, was she lying about who she was calling? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the answer easily could have been, it's like the, the man you heard on the phone was my brother, because I was calling my brother's girlfriend yeah. and my brother picked up. But she doesn't say that. Like she's clearly caught in something, yeah. and then admits that no, we weren't together then. Yeah, she like he's not wrong. You know, yeah. his suspicions are bang on, but it's just not his business. You know, like that's just it. Yeah, I mean, it's not that he's wrong. <laughs> it's just that you know, it's not that's not his decision to make, and he shouldn't be asking those questions. Yeah, he can't help himself. Yeah, um, but the other part of the movie that I really liked that I totally forgot was that it's also a behind the scenes of uh, the movie business. Oh God, um, which is so much fun. Yeah, and I worked for years as an editor, and every one of those scenes I have lived through. Yeah. Ugh. Like, you lived in the days of flatbed? No, not necessarily, but that's not true. I, in when I was in film school, we still caught in the flatbed. Yeah. So I didn't have to go through that painstaking waiting and finding reels and that kind of stuff, but just those conversations with people you're working with, the directors you're working with, and just the way... And I know that moment where you're just like, you're trying to explain to them why what they want to do is a terrible idea. And then something clicks in your head where you go, they're never going to change their mind. And you know, I stopped caring. Yeah. I don't care anymore. It's your thing. Sure. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Let's now let's just move on. Yep. But then they keep on trying to convince you. Yeah. And you say, like, no, no, but we already, I already agree. <laughs> I already agree. We should just do it now. Oof. Uh, what, what about you? Can, can you obviously have lots of behind the scenes experience and... I still have these conversations to this day. This yeah. is my, that was my day-to-day life. Like, <laughs> and still is. You know, it's like you, you, you get passionate about something and you just can't, you know, the person you're having that conversation with is equally as passionate about their idea. Yeah. So ultimately, it's going to come down to whoever wins um, that moment. Yeah. And, you know, it was funny Stamina because sometimes. as I was watching that scene, in my head, I started strategizing how I would have handled it and, how, and what I would have done in that scenario to get my way um, because they both wanted something uh, in that moment and they could have just given each other what they had wanted yeah. but it just kind of didn't turn out that way which was interesting and, and, and for me it's like I look at that from both the filmmaker's point of view and the editor's point of view uh, and I think from, especially back in those days when undoing something was not just a flick of a yeah. button so it's like for him he's just like I don't want to undo it and put it back because that's a lot of work to do that mm-hmm. Uh, where it, it's so easy. I mean, nowadays when I'm, when I'm, you know, even recently was editing, I just make, I'd save copies of everything. So it's like, it takes me two seconds to put it back the way it was. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I think this is better the way I've done this, but if you like it better your way, great. Yep. We'll do it that way and we'll move on. Yeah. So the last thing I'll mention about this one is that, um, um, there's just a really nice little funny scene between, uh, between um, the two brothers, Albert Brooks and uh, Bob Einstein, Super Dave Osborne. It's about a three-minute scene. And, so good. And it's just just such a nice little thing, knowing that they're brothers in real life. Um, was so much fun. I love that scene so much. Yeah. I, it's just he goes... It's the scene where he goes and buys workout equipment. Yeah, he goes to the, he goes to the, um, the sporting goods store uh, because he's decided... That the way he's going to get over his ex-girlfriend is by exercising, working out, yeah. exercising, taking very getting healthy, uh, taking vitamins, <laughs> and changing. He's going to change his whole life, which you know lasts what a day before he goes crawling back. Yeah, you know it's funny though. I completely am understand because uh, I'm that dude. Mm-hmm. Where, I, but I stick to it for longer, and sometimes, and I actually that was me when I actually two years ago was like, I'm going to lose weight. <laughs> Well, that didn't work out. And I joined a gym membership, <laughs> and then now it's 140 pounds later. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I did. But that's not all the time. Yeah. But I am big on, I'll go from like, I shouldn't spend money today, and then all of a sudden I spend $200 yeah. on Criterions. Exactly. And I was like, well, I guess I did that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm big on the impulse spend, yeah. and then the instant regret. But then also that idea of, 
well, I shouldn't spend any money. I shouldn't spend any more. And it's like, well, buy the $75 check. That's too much. You should buy two. Okay. <laughs> I, that, that way you have it for later. I'm terrible with that. Like, but again, that was a great scene that showed off how spineless he was. Um, because we, the salesman saw him coming a mile away and instantly was able to start upselling him by merely saying, oh, well, I, I made a mistake. You're not, you're not a serious runner. Yeah. And instantly he's like, it's like what's that? It's a wrist wallet. It it's like, there's, a, there's a pocket in the suit. It's like, you don't want that. You want to have your money on your wrist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Which I think also just plays into his character the entire film. Because yeah. between that, the supplements for the vitamins, anything that he's not really an authority on, or even like in the editing room where he doesn't really have power, he translates that into what he wants with Mary. He wants to control Mary because he can't because he's not in control of anything else in his life. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah. there is the, the first half of the movie. He's it's almost a one, a one person play. Yeah, uh, yeah, which for, speaks to what you were sorry to interrupt. What you were saying earlier about just everything being very theatrical. Yeah, just like put it on a stage and it's yep. great. Absolutely, it could have been a stage play. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's just him. Like the whole scene was him on lewds. <laughs> it's. I mean, this movie could never be made today. <laughs> it just wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't work. You know, uh, unless you're doing it as like a Netflix, it'd be a Netflix it, it feels movie. like a prelude to um, to season sorry's like Master of None in a way. It'd be a TV series, yeah. yeah. Um, and, th- and this would be all shrunk down to one episode, uh, or maybe not. Maybe it's here, but anyway, it, 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 yeah, it would work as a TV series now. Yeah, that would have been great. An Albert yeah. Brooks TV oh, series around this around this topic. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's. I mean, there's little things that Mark you probably don't even remember or know. Of that that feeling you had when you're on the phone with somebody you don't want to talk to and you're waiting for a call and you have no idea if you're missing it. Do you, did you ever have that? Never. Knew no, that. I can't say I have. Yeah, I you know I'm older than both of you guys and uh, I lived through the rotary phone uh, era. Oh, I've got two in the house. It was real time. I use them. My first <laughs> real phone. Tough. We we had a party line, Ken. Oh, yeah? Yes. My wife had a party line as well. A party line. Party line. You don't even know what that is. No, so I don't. So we live just on the out... We live just on, like, literally on the border of a small yeah. town. And so everyone on our street shared the same phone line. And you had your own distinct ring. We were one long too short. And so when that, when that rang like that, it was ours to pick up. And the old lady down the row... Fucking always listening to everybody's phone call. Of course, I would. Anyone can pick up. Anyone can pick up. And that, now that did, I just remember that when I was really little. I yeah. think by the time I was six or seven, things everyone had their own line and it changed over. But I, you know, I do forget the era though, where if you weren't at home, like it was really hard to be reached. It was really hard to like uh, oh. get a hold of people, if, like during the day. Yeah. You know, when they're not home. Well, yeah. like, like, I'm still part of the era where I didn't have a cell phone until, like, like for me, eighth grade. But yeah. even that, like, no texting. Until eighth or, grade. Oh, I eighth didn't grade. get one until third year college, Mark. I got my first cell phone the year I was on Stargate uh, because everybody made fun of me because I didn't have a cell phone yet. So yeah. that was 2006. And that was a flip phone, and I, I felt so cool. My 10-year-old is like, when am I getting my phone? And it's like, never. You're never getting a phone from <laughs> Listen, me. the longer you keep them away from that, the better. Oh, I, I know. Well, just, just also just the fact that it's like, who knows what, what the airwaves of those things yeah. are, are terrifying yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. No, just get a flip phone, get a Nokia, and just like, this is your emergency He doesn't line. need anything! Where's he going? I said, be, be the cool kid people can get in touch with. <laughs> That'll be your thing. Where's he from? Don't know. Man, that guy's so cool. You know, you can't get in touch. It's like, God forbid, you can't get in touch with somebody for five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's different for me. I want to know where he is, but, yeah. you know. So I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation about his character after we watch the second movie. Because, weirdly, I think his character is very similar. This could be the same character, uh, like, ten years down the road. Yeah. Which is yeah. why I love, like, that we're doing this double feature. I want to see what kind of similarities are going to Oh, ten years. It's, his character is almost, like... The same well, character. and and that's where you get like the the comparison you gave that he's like the West Coast, yeah. Woody Allen. Absolutely, yeah. it is. He's playing it. I mean, I think Albert Brooks is fantastic. I don't think anyone would ever say Albert Brooks is an actor with terrific range. Mm-hmm. No, you know, he kind of plays. He one, does what he does very well. He plays well. one octave, but he yeah. can play that octave like nobody yeah. plays it. Absolutely, uh, he's fantastic. And if you want 
So there's a great cameo. I mean, we were talking about the film stuff, but it's, it's James L. Brooks, the director, playing uh, playing the director in the movie. Yep. Uh, but if you want to see the flip side of this, where James L. Brooks is directing Albert Brooks, uh, Broadcast News, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, check it out. We I did the episode with Christian Brunn. Oh, nice. Uh, so on, we did it on the podcast. So you can nice go back. Plug. And, it is. Uh, <laughs> I gotta plug my own podcast. You can go back and listen to that. It is a great movie. Yeah, one of the best. So uh, let's uh, let's uh, have a little break, and then we're gonna watch Defending Your Life, and we'll be back in like a uh, hop, skip, and a jump for you guys. So excited! Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And we just finished movie number two, Defending Your Life. I loved it. Like that. That was that was so good. That was so great. <laughs> yes, of course. It's, it's wonderful. wonderful. So it's interesting because uh, here I I, re- I remember it very fondly, uh, and I remembered more of this than I remembered uh, modern romance. Uh, but we've got Ken who has seen this like, once oh, a year. I love it. Yeah. And Mark who has never seen it. So I, I, I don't even know who to start. With. I almost want to start with Mark. Oh, we got to start Ooh. with Mark. Yeah. I I just think the concept is just great. The world that um, that Brooks just like built is like it's not really purgatory. It's kind of like this weird philosophical debate about um, j- just like the fears that you face in your life and whether or not like you really have learned that much about your life or... Yeah, and I bet if for each person it's not like his is fear, but I'm sure someone else is defending a different poor quality that they had. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's Judgment City. That's, you know, it's aptly named. <laughs> yeah. No, I remember just the trailer when I was a kid going, that's a great idea. I was always attracted to high concepts from a very young age. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Albert Brooks certainly has a running thing with food. <laughs> yes. Bo- both uh, Modern Romance and this both had uh, scenes with omelets, Japanese food, and Italian food. Mm-hmm. So, so clearly the things that L.A. people like. Breakfast, or- breakfast food. Japanese stuff <laughs> and Italian stuff. I don't know if that's an LA thing, but that's that's an Albert Brooks thing for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and music. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to love. It's like Meryl Streep is just like so charming. Oh and my lovely. god, I so fell in love with Meryl Streep in this movie. I mean, maybe even more than Albert Brooks, she keeps me coming back to this movie. It's like she's so she's such the she has the, a warm the, the warm perfect woman you know who oh is, yeah she's just giggling through the whole yeah. thing she goes into that fire and saves the cat <laughs> literally <laughs> saves the cat well that's just it she she uh, I'm sure she signed on to this movie because uh, she's a fan of Albert Brooks but also it's like I get to just eat and giggle and have fun mm-hmm. what a great movie yeah, yeah. Uh, which is almost it's too bad it's like her like. Not to not to complain about this aspect of the movie, but there is no outside of him having to you know get over his own stuff and and make the ending work the way it works. There's no real conflict nope. with their relationship at all. No, nope. but does not it really need to be in this? Because the because con- the conflict is him trying to realize yeah. that like he just needs to uh, like not give a shit about what other people think about to fight for himself and to think for himself. I mean, there's and to take the risk. That's yeah. really it. And there's yeah. like no real antagonist, you know. Like there's no bad guy. He is. It's him. It's, it's him. It's he. It's, he's like his own worst enemy. Yeah. yeah. No. It's 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 typical of movies like this too. It's like yeah, you are. You're not playing against anyone. You're playing against yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that way, it's just the the whole relationship aspect is just like a nice little cherry on top to add among the qualities that he just needs to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, can't, I still can't believe he left those pies behind. <laughs> oh, no, no, you would be both. It's like we see those two boxes of I'm just pies. so glad I didn't get to see the actual pie. Yeah. Because if it was the most <laughs> delicious pie I've ever seen, I'd be more mad. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Um, that scene with that baby, that yeah. was, I don't know how they got that, but man, oh, man, that kid got me. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Was just standing in the crib Amazing. and... What whatever they however they tortured that poor child <laughs> to get that thirty seconds of screen footage, it was worth it, child. Whatever therapy you needed years later, 
I uh, that that was such a, a small, simple thing. But yeah, that was very effective. Absolutely, and I love how in this version of Judgment, well, Judgment City, the way that they show you your memories or events in your life, full of camera angles and POV shots <laughs> and all that. But what else would it be like security cam footage? Like, what were you expecting? I don't know. Like a, a play, it's one, it's one angle. Yeah, it's all one angle. It's all just a fixed angle. You're the audience, just viewing it. Well, now I think they do it where it's, it's, it's like uh, it's happening in front of you, almost like a play. You do it weird with a giant hologram. Yeah. Um, w- one thing, just to go back to this this concept of fear before we move on from like the the main theme of the movie. The one thing I was wondering, and I don't have the answer. I assume Ken will because mm-hmm. he's seen this film a million times. Is there anything in that opening sequence when he's still alive that demonstrates the fear? Like the lack of him just going after what he wants? Nope. That feels like if in a remake of this movie, that would be the whole point of the opening. Absolutely. Nope. He was like, it opened with, you know, Albert Brooks, the yuppie. You know, yeah. he's, he's got a good job and he's buying his new, uh, his new BMW. But if anything else, it shows him being completely comfortable being yep. alone and divorced mm-hmm. and he's going to go on a ride. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Listening to his, I assume that was Barbara Streisand? It was an opera of some kind. Yeah, it was yeah. Barbara Streisand, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, cause what yuppie Albert Brooks Jewish person doesn't like Barbara Streisand? <laughs> <laughs> Wants to blast out in the car so much so that the people on the street is like, like put that down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course. You gonna make us all listen to this? Yep. But it's great. I love that uh, you know, Purgatory or not Purgatory, but Judgment City. It, it it's like um, it feels like um, somewhere in Miami. <laughs> a, a mixture <laughs> between like, Miami feels, and LA. Yeah. yeah. What was the forecast? Seventy four degrees all the time. Yeah. Sunny and seventy four degrees all the time. Perfectly. Yeah. Five channels. Weather Channel. Um, a soap opera that just, I have no, here's the thing. I feel so bad for anybody who wants to follow that soap opera, but after five days of being there, like, I want to know what happens. Oh, it's true. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to get into that. It's because... probably for the residents because it's there's, true. there's two classes of people that live in this oh, city. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. True. Um, and, and that's, I really like that. Like, um, the more I watched it, the more I recognized that, you know, there were, pe- there are, every scene has people in suits and it's always the residents. They, they do like. They they go to the same restaurants. They go to the same uh, like they actually live in the city. Yeah. Um, so you know that's that's kind of interesting. Is that it's not just the amenities there aren't just for the recently deceased. They are actually people who live there. Well, they have to be the people they need to service the recently deceased, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and I can't imagine what the budget was for the uh, the little yoga toga toga type costume things. There's there's a lot of them. Yeah, and there was just like yeah, a lot of scenes with like big scenes with a lot of extras. A lot different from the first movie we watched that was very yeah. contained, very few actors. Yeah. Just you know, the during the credit sequence alone, as they're wheeling him in the wheelchair, and you know, there's three people per orderly, and then two more orderlies come in the side, and then so it's like this big massive scene of like, you know, there had to be at least a hundred. 150 people in that scene. That's great. So, Mark, walk me through just, like, as you started to realize the premise for the movie. I I feel like I kind of got it right away in terms of, all right, he's dead. Going down the hall, it's like, all right, let's see. He's going to, like, some sort of purgatory place. And then the moment that, like, he gets on the tram and then it's, like, just, like, the whole separation of people. It's like, okay, they're all going off to different paths. And then once uh, I think we meet Rip Torn's character about like uh, like he's going to be the defender prosecutor. Like okay, I see. We're doing like a whole trial thing about whether or not like he gets to go to heaven or not. And then like oh, there's no heaven hell concept. Okay, you know what? I, I'm totally on board for all this. Yeah. Well, I love the concept that there's no hell. It's just you have to go back to Earth. Yeah. yeah. That's hell. Yeah. Yeah. There's a <laughs> hell bit of, is Earth. There's a bit of a it's a wonderful life quality to uh, yeah somewhat to yeah the whole thing. Well, just the fantasy element of having to, like, revisit, you know, learning about him by re-seeing days from his past. Yeah. It's part of court drama. I love that the second day is just the the replacement prosecutor doing nothing, (laughs) and her just deciding, it's like, I have a montage of him doing stupid things. Yeah. Like, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. (laughs) As Buck Henry does. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rip Torn was amazing. I love him. He's so good in this. He's great. His performance is so wonderful. Yeah, similar to Albert Brooks, is like you're always just going to get ripped torn. Yeah. But there, what's wrong with ripped torn? 
So walk me through, Ken, uh, why this movie? Why do you revisit this movie so much? Because it's kind of, it's a, it's a romantic comedy at its heart, and, but it's a different kind of one. It's like, it's not, you know, it doesn't go through the, the paces that, you know, and through the, the beats that other romantic comedies go through. It's, um, you know, they meet, they fall in love, and there's no, and that's it. Like, you know, and it's, it's cute, it's adorable, every scene they're in together is fun and adorable, and you just love them together, like, and it's just, I don't know, there's something about it that makes me warm and fuzzy inside, you know, you're always thinking, oh, okay, and now here's the breakup scene, or here's the fight, and, you know, then we'll yeah, wait. The restaurant scene but it just doesn't come. Like the worst part of it. Yeah, yeah, it never comes, you know, and it's like, and I, I like that, I liked how much she instantly, because he's, again, it's Albert Brooks, he's not a, he's, He's not a super charming, lovable guy. He's a little sardonic. But, you know, she saw past all that. And, like, almost instantly, you know, when she they were at a comedy club and she came over to him and said, um, don't I know you from somewhere? I think I recognize you. You know, she just looked over and saw someone who was interesting and, and you know. Young. Yeah. Young uh, and, and someone she wanted to talk to. And, like, the relationship just happened so quickly. So here's a question, though. With that... In mind, do you feel like she potentially comes off a bit as a manic picture dream girl? Um, maybe, maybe, somewhat. I mean, what other available options does uh, does Albert Brooks really have in that universe? No, no, I'm just <laughs> saying because of that. It's like you're really thinking about yeah. it. It's like she doesn't have any conflict. Mm-hmm. She's this beautiful, charming girl that's far above his station. Yeah, and what he deserves. You know, what does he have to offer her besides yeah. the fact that he's not ninety? Yeah. Well, that's the thing I really like saw between the the two different Albert Brooks characters in these films about just how emasculated he really is in his situation. Um, because, like, similar to Modern Romance, he really has no control about what's going on in Judgment City whatsoever. Um, well, that's and, not true. That's the whole point uh, of the ending. Is that he has to? I know. That's the thing. He grows enough to know that he ha- that he uh, that he can choose his own like path he doesn't have to stick uh he doesn't have to stick rigidly if anything like he he gains his own agency he doesn't have to take it out on anybody yeah well i i'd argue that he doesn't i mean similar to that point it's not that he realizes he doesn't have to it's like he decides he doesn't care anymore mm-hmm. yeah because if it's just he realizes oh this is a trick and you want me to get on that train then that's different than him just going i don't care what you do to me yeah i'm just gonna do this thing He's being electrocuted by the trains. Yeah. You know, he's just, he's strapped in. He just acts, I mean, they're there waiting. They're hoping he makes that choice. But he has to decide that on his own. Brooke Torn can't. I mean, it's funny because I, I knew I, I knew the ending and I remember the ending. Uh, and there's a couple of moments as, as Brooke Torn's walking him to the bus, the terminal, where he's kind of dropping some hints mm-hmm. and clues to like just... To take advantage of every opportunity. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the last thing he says to him. Um, which isn't really, uh, hey, go get her. Yeah. But um, it's just like the right motivational thing. It's like, listen, this is what you really need to do to fix your life. I mean, he, he I mean, he's off. framing it as when you go back to Earth. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I mean. Um, That's the lesson that he needs to yeah. learn. But, you know, obviously, and I don't even think in the moment Albert Brooks is thinking of that advice. I think, you know, in the moment he sees the woman he loves, um, you know, he on the other tram and realizes he, at the, I don't even think he thinks in the moment that he just has to go get on that tram to like go to the other place. I think he just sees her yeah. and needs to yeah. be with her. And that's the whole point. I think the whole point is that it's like his, his trial is all about the fact whenever he got in his own head too much yeah, and yeah. he overthought a lot of things when he should have just went for it. Yeah. And that's why I think I really like this film, because I relate a lot to that, to that feeling of just like, you know, just fuck it. Why not? Just go do it. Just, well, let's say back when he was a, like a preteen, like he just didn't fight back. It's like, listen, fight back. What's the worst that could happen? Uh, defend your friend. Like, fuck it. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Fall in love with this woman. Fuck it. What's the worst that can happen? It is funny what I really like about all of the all of the um, evidence that she gives the prosecutor. Um, it's all stuff that you can easily argue that it's like, well, you. I mean, the first thing is this uh, investment that his friend is trying to get him in on. 
It's like she's saying he should have gotten involved in in insider trading, <laughs> you know. And the fact yeah. that he didn't was a bad thing, you know. She's saying a lot of the things she's saying he should have done are kind of irresponsible, mm-hmm. bad choices. Yeah. But I like that. I mean, that's kind of the point: is that sometimes life is full of those, and we should do them anyway. Yeah. It's Wait. kind of Albert Brooks's statement. Yeah. Again, it also brings up the whole philosophical debate of. You know, is that really a bad quality if what you're doing was, like, was a bad thing, you know, morally? Yeah, but that's just it. It's like, I would say, you go to jail for insider trading. Well, she was also, you know, one of the things was that she wanted him to fight back against the bully. Yeah. You know, like, you know, so it is. It is more the Bible literally says, turn the other cheek. Yeah. You know, oh, but they have no concept of any theological <laughs> sense and judgment sitting No, there. no, but that's just what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that's what makes the movie really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Is it's not like taking... There's no morals. No, it's th- not taking like biblical tropes and going, oh, follow the Bible yeah. and you'll get yeah. on to the next place. It, it, it's, it's, it's almost a, the argument against doing those kind of things. It's absolutely. saying be selfish and do what you want to do and you move on to the next place. So and, it's very and, libertarian. Well, it's almost the irony. It's almost like without stating it outwardly... Albert Brooks is making a comment on the fact that it's like religion's stupid and all the rules they come up with are stupid. It's like the real trick to getting ahead in life and doing well is doing what you want to do and fuck everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, it's kind of like his modus operandum in the movie, which is (laughs) kind of a refreshing, interesting point of view as opposed to just saying, oh, do good things. Yeah. Which is what Meryl Streep's character is doing, though. She's just saving kittens and her children from a burning house. <laughs> yeah. And there's just, and I love that the prosecutor's watching it again just because he wanted to see it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah, we're just, we were really just killing time. We didn't even need the four days. Yeah. They, what they even said, the judges said, tomorrow's just a formality. <laughs> for, for enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. Come in around one. Yeah. We'll have pie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it's, uh, I love, you know, as, uh, you know, heady as some of the themes are, um, it's still really funny. Um, but that's the beautiful thing about it is like, it is, it, it lets you walk away with a lot to think about and yeah. a lot to consider, but it's just, it's delightful. Yeah. And I love the timeless quality, you know, we're in judgment city, we're not on earth and it's really, it really does. Even watching it again today feels timeless like yeah. it didn't feel dated at all and you know and that's it's kind of designed that way which is awesome the only dated part being the computers and the in the the computers and the, and the tv but you can also say like judge and city is just above all that yeah above yeah. technology and the casio yeah, yeah the well it's casio. awesome i mean it was i mean you watch Psycho, this, you know this Psycho, movie yeah. was made you know this movie was made in the early 90s yeah if it was yeah. made now it would look like earth now but that's the argument is that you have to know that it took place then and so they made it look like Earth then to make the residents more comfortable and yeah. get them in. And, you know, the touches of, like, um, the food that you can eat as much as you want and not gain any weight. Um, and, and, you know, like, uh, going to the past lives pavilion to see who you used to be in another life. Like, all those little touches yeah. um, that, that make up their date, um, their dates, because uh, at the end of each uh, day, they... They go out together and eat and, and, and explore them and discover. The, and discover. And I, I love how the people, the, the residents that are all thinking with at least half the, their brain capacity are all eating food that would taste terrible to us. Yeah. Because we can't understand possibly <laughs> what they're doing. Even the Japanese restaurants say, what's that? It looks great. It's like, it would make you throw up. Yeah. Don't eat it. <laughs> It's so great, and I love that there's a comedy club, and there's still like the the comedian still not is totally hacky and not funny, you know, even in this place. Yeah, that Elvis joke is great. <laughs> How long is your coma? I don't know. Is Elvis still alive? Yeah, yeah. long, long coma. coma. <laughs> that was his best joke. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so good, so great. So, so then what do you see uh, between these two films? Just like how Elric really changes. Not in terms of like budget, but just like him as a filmmaker. It's a decade writer. apart. These, yeah. You know, uh, it's a whole, it's I think exactly 10 years, right? Yep. Between these two films. Uh, yeah, the Modern Romance came out in 81 and this was 91. And you can see the maturity like of, of both him, of course, and, and his filmmaking, certainly. Yeah, I think he, I don't know whether it's conscious or not, but it's like he wants to play a more likable character. Yep. His character is easily more likable. But still doesn't shy away from being neurotic and, uh, no, you know. No, flawed, yeah, yep. 
Um, I think you're getting uh, a more focus in terms of like themes and and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think uh, and just scope, much much bigger scope. Yeah, there's yeah. production design, there's production yeah. values. I mean, with this one again, given the budget, it's the the high concept like totally pays off. Yeah, no, it's great. It's also the kind of thing where it's like it it makes me think of um, the original and the remake of of Heavens and Wait. Yeah, uh, right. Which is actually actually that's I'm sure was an inspiration on books. Oh, of course, definitely. Uh, because it makes me think that it's like it's kind of surprising the, the way that you know the the Warren Beatty remake of Heaven Can Wait that they haven't done a remake. Someone hasn't done a remake of this because it's such a great concept. Yeah. And you could take it and make a whole new movie with that concept without kind of having to bastardize the original, but really just kind of make it grow and do something unique mm-hmm. with it. Yep. Uh, although I haven't seen it yet, I've read the book. There's um. Uh, Simon Rich's Miracle Workers, a TV series. Mm-hmm. I think it's a Hulu series. The book was called What in God's Name, although now they've re-released it as yeah. Miracle Workers. Yeah. Uh, although that's a different kind of thing, but that's still... Uh, I, I, I love that kind of high concept thing. I've always been... I was raised Catholic, and so the idea of like an afterlife is uh, is always something that's been... Weighing yeah. heavily on your mind? Not weighing heavily. <laughs> like I'm kind of agnostic, to be honest. I don't know. I mean, what do you... I mean, we can get into a giant conversation <laughs> about how we all feel with the afterlife. But, uh, I mean, my wife and I literally brought out, I think it, it, some, she got sent some new organ donor form mm. in the mail. And we had a conversation. We had an argument today about how she, she would sign over for her organs to be given to somebody if she died for a replacement. But she wouldn't sign off on anything being given for research for students. I said, what the fuck is the difference? <laughs> she doesn't want to like be you're hanging dead. in a... You're not going to find out anyways. She doesn't want to be hanging in a classroom. <laughs> well, her, her defense was that she's like, the medical people would make sure she was dead and the students might not. I'm like, it's the same people. The same people are taking your body parts. We don't need them. And that's my thought. My thought is that. I'm like, I'm a shell. Yeah. It's like, if I can be useful for something after, that'd be great. I'm a big fan of like... Use use something for as much as you can. The other day, I I, I made um, a thing with almonds. I had to blanch almonds. I had all these almond skins. I'm like, what can I do with a bunch of almond skins? I googled the recipe. I made vegan bacon. It was great. But I'm like, I could have just thrown those shells out, the, the skins out. But I wouldn't because I'm like, use the whole. Isn't there? I always use remember, the whole. Use the whole buffalo. That's an old North American, Native North American state. I remember Brad watching a, a, an Incredibles making of where Brad Bird had that written somewhere. In terms of like for the as a mentality, that's a for great the motto to have. Use the whole buffalo. It's like use every mine every single piece of an idea and really, really get into the yeah. nitty gritty of things. I wish he would have done that on the sequel. Oh, <laughs> it only took him twenty years to write that. <laughs> Should take another twenty. Oh, boo! Oh, I'm sorry. No, it was only okay. I agree. Eh, it was. Eh. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. That's a, that's a story for another time. Yeah, anyway, going back to this. Uh, yeah, what else? It's, uh, I love them both. What, I mean, fuck, I could, let's sit down and watch the third one. Yeah, I, uh, yes. I could, uh, I, I forgot. Well, this, neither of these are the best one, in my, in my opinion. Which one's the best one? Um, uh, Lost in America? Lost in America. Which I don't think I've seen. Is, uh, for I'm sure me, I remember it. is like the high water mark in Albert Brooks's, um, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, I mean, if Criterion has it eventually on their channel. I guess we can stream it. Is it there. at a print on there? Or is uh, it? No, no, no. It's still in print. I'm sure I will pick it up on the next. Uh, the, next flat, the next. Yeah, I, I got. I've already owned the. I own the Criterion. I bought it like the All day. Right, so bring it over, and we'll watch yeah. that. Yeah. Well, it's uh, you know, it's prime for another Albert Brooks double feature because real life is also pretty spectacular. Yeah, I'd be interested to go back to see watches rewatch his first movie and then that one. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, That'd I'm down nice. for that. Uh, so see you in a few months when we actually see do that. See you in a few months when we do that. No, I mean, what, I mean, this actually makes me want to go back because I just, like I said, I picked up... Uh, How many movies from Queen for, Video? Of the, no, I already had these two. Oh, okay. I, But I picked these up at some other sale that I found. Um, probably another closing sale, sadly. Yeah. There's been a lot recently. Yeah. Uh, but I picked up uh, Looking for Comedy in Muslim World at, at the Queen Video because I haven't seen that one either. I Actually, that's the only one I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, these these are the two. I think these are the only two I have. Oh, you know, I've seen Mother and I've seen The Muse. Yeah. So I've seen about maybe half. Yeah. But uh, man, I, I just the scout. 
<laughs> I haven't seen the scout. Oh, that was. I, I, ch- I will check it out at some point on review, Mark. Uh, <laughs> but I, with your son, I think he did. I think he had fun with it. Yeah, I, I'm baseball. just so glad I revisited this. I, I and I was so excited when uh, when other people were were up for doing it because I I remember them fondly and 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 was looking forward to getting back to them. Yeah, no, I'm re- I'm really glad I got to, I got to see this. I mean, I love the first half of Modern, modern Romance. Not a huge half. Uh, sorry, not a huge fan of like the the other half of it. I just don't like his character. I just don't like the it way made it made you uncomfortable. That's what that's yeah. supposed to. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know that doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> and you know what? And I True would enough. say that it's like I think I I agree with that to the extent that the first half is more enjoyable and the second half is more uncomfortable. And I really like that. That's kind of the point. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that works in its favor. Uh, and which makes me like both halves equally. Yeah. But for different reasons. No, that's totally fine. But if anything, I want to, I want to recommend like Defend Your Life to anybody that I know. It's just like, it's so good. Yeah. I, I, I just can't believe I haven't heard about it until now. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's I a think a great hidden gem. Great and both, both movies are now, you know, 30, 20, 30 years old. Yeah. Now. Almost 30. Oh, Defending Your Life is almost 30 years old. Which uh, makes the other one almost 40. Jesus. But you know what? I would argue they both stand up. I agree. Yeah. You know? And, they're, and they're both very, very, uh, you know, current in terms of, like, story and ideas, so... Yeah, I, I mean, I certainly wouldn't call um, modern romance a romantic comedy, um, which I kind of came in calling it that, but it's kind of the anti-romantic comedy in a lot of well, ways. Well, it's one of the... I mean, so that, that's such a trope, too, now, like the yeah. anti-romantic comedy. Yeah. Everyone thinks they're so unique when they come up with the, yeah. the gritty... Um, dark Blue Valentine. Uh, <laughs> no, but it, well, Blue Valentine is a true anti-romantic comedy, but because um, it's not a comedy at all. Yeah. Uh, but no, just people they think whenever it's you know they they talk about romance in a way that's not just rainbows and kittens that they're being an yeah. anti-romantic comedy. But this is definitely one of the earlier ones, and I'd argue that this is the kind of movie that you know paves the the road for movies like Five Hundred Days of Summer, and oh, you know, no question. Every movie like that that yep. really takes a, a harsh, honest look at relationships, but with a spoonful of sugar. War of the Roses. No, oh, <laughs> so good. Well, thanks, gentlemen. This is great. This is great. We'll uh, at some point do another Albert Brooks double feature. Oh I think. man, I'm there. I would. I would be excited for that. We just have to track down a copy of Real Life. Um, you can find it. You can find it these I'm, days. I'm sure it's on iTunes. Yep, it's uh, yeah. They've, uh, they're, well, they're definitely on iTunes now, those movies, yeah. Um, and I think they're on a couple of other streaming services as well, but you can find it. It's out there. Someone, and somebody, please, I'm sure that the, the rights are scattered all over the place, but someone please put out a Blu-ray Albert Brooks Brock set. I would, I yes. would buy that. Yeah, I think the tricky thing is they're all different studios. That's what I mean. Yeah. I think it's impossible because they're, they're all over the yeah, place. Yeah, but man, that would be, you know, that would be, oof. Amazing. On Amazon? Yeah, on Amazon. 11 bucks. DVD? Yep. There we go. It's gettable. Uh, All right. Well, thanks for coming over. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for joining us for the Albert Brooks double feature of Modern Romance and Defending Your Life. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.